I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. All I see is you. All I see is your pretty face. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks. Well, now everyone can see my pretty face because we're we're live on YouTube and on Twitch. So, welcome. all right, cool. Yeah. So, I'm Raul. Welcome to Catch Wrestling Alliance. This is like our uh, live stream, also our podcast. Um, so, here we keep real wrestling alive, and we have a special guest, uh, Juan Rodriguez, who is a national uh, judo champion. He's also a black belt champion. Um, he is. Uh, you're like one of the assistant instructors for one of our oldest judo clubs, right? Is it like in all yeah. of the United States? Hollywood judo? Yeah, I'm one of the assistant instructors at Hollywood Judo. We're literally like one of the oldest judo clubs in Southern California, if not the country. Um, we are about, I know we're, I know last time we celebrated, we were at least 90 years old. So we're started, we're getting close to almost 100 years, actually. I don't know the exact date, but 19. 32, I think. I want to say 19, no, not 1930, 1920. I can't off the top of my head exactly. But one of the instruct, uh, assistant instructors there, I'm a two time winter national champion, third degree black belt in judo. And I've been training for Raul for almost close to three years now. The past year, we haven't been training that much because of COVID, but before that, we were training all the time. Yeah, so annoying, right? Uh, yeah. But it's sad that. <laughs> really. it, it, it's annoying. It, well, the, I think the, the part for me that's the most annoying is that like people all just aren't acting right. It's like we could have been like uh, New Zealand or even China where people took it seriously. And then now they have much more freedom to be training. And I see people in yeah. South Korea training and, you know, like yeah. all, all these all these countries that took it seriously, they can train safely and, uh, you know, they're not spreading disease and all that. And so, um uh, Anyway, that's like the what what I mean when I mean annoying. I'm not. I'm very <laughs> sad that so many people, so many Americans, die. You know, people that I know as well, and so mm-hmm. it's like that sucks. I hate it, but uh, if only we can act right, we can get beyond. All we can do is to be safe. And my, I'm one of those people that is more safe than sorry. Like, I do train judo still in the park, but I train with a small group of people with the same people. We all wear masks the entire time. And I've had people that try to train with us, like, oh, well, let me take off my mask. I'm just work with this person. It's like, no, if you're not going to wear a mask, you got to go. And sadly enough, mm-hmm. one of those people actually did get COVID. And I don't know mm-hmm. how bad their case was, but they did catch COVID. I heard that they were not doing that well. So my heart went out to them. But, you know, we got to be safe. I've had uh, actually two judo people I know catch COVID. One wasn't, a, one wasn't training, but one was training. And But with me and my group that I train with, no one's caught in it. And we wear masks the entire time. We train out in the park. We're not inside the dojo. We're not inside a room. So that's what we're doing mm-hmm. to train. Or that's what we're doing to practice, at least, to keep our Ichigomis going and some throws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, uh, so, like, you, like, besides doing judo, you also do acting, right? So you, you're constantly <laughs> getting Oh, uh, well, 
as some people do know, some people don't know, I'm a working actor here in LA. Here in LA. I'm nothing big. I do a lot of, um, most have been lifetime movie weeks, so I've been a lot of background. But as an actor, or just someone that's a SAG actor working here in Los Angeles, people don't understand how much we get tested. I have to get tested a day, a day before or the two days before I work. And then the day I work, I get another CPR test or cave, what I can't remember called, but a rapid test done that day. And the only time I don't get tested, if I work a day consistently, so say I work a job two days, three days in a row, I'll get tested two out of three of those days or just one out of two days. But I got to get tested before I work and then first day I do work, I get tested. And luckily I've come up clean every time, but my nose really gets sore some days. I don't know if you if you follow me on Instagram, I did a job for a show that's coming back. I can't really talk about it, but I had to get a test. And if you see that woman she was like cleaning my nose like a pipe cleaner like she was getting in there i thought my brain got scratched at that time but, but that's what we do and we're on set we're wearing masks the entire time face shields the entire time the only time we're taking it off is when we're actually doing the scene and there's a lot of shows that actually doing modern day life like um again if you follow my own instagram and stuff you see dot 911 and 911 lives in a co-world so we're always wearing masks the entire time the only time they're taking masks off is if it's like the two leads talking with each other together. But even then they're wearing masks. So with me, I, I got masks in the background. I got masks when I'm working. I got masks everywhere. So mm -hmm. I'm always trying to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's good to hear that you're, you're keep taking it seriously. And uh, uh, yeah, so people will know that it's like uh, there, there's some of us out there taking it seriously. So hopefully everyone can uh, follow, follow along and uh, take it seriously so we can get past this but, yeah. Um, oh. yeah go ahead oh no the only time i don't get to wear a mask when i'm in my house or in my car that's the only time i don't wear a mask oh yeah yeah <laughs> no, yeah uh anyway why don't we uh talk about our, our subject for today because i think we can talk about covid for for a long time especially la <laughs> being uh, one of the hot spots as well so there are a lot of people out there that are uh Anyway, let's, let's change the subject. <laughs> so let's talk about judo. So the reason we're most doing this is because I told Raul, I've been training him for a long time. I grew up wrestling, okay? I started wrestling freestyle and folk style wrestling when I was in fifth grade. And I loved wrestling. I wrestled all up to college, but I had some injuries and stuff. I wasn't able to finish in college wrestling. And from there, I got into doing BJ because that was a cool, hip thing to do. But even in BJJ, I was still a wrestler doing BJJ. I would double leg everybody, put them in heel hooks. My coach was my coach was telling me, he's like, Juan, you double leg everybody, you single leg everybody down. Why don't we work on some leg locks for you? And even from there, like I'm kind of doing like a little bit of catch wrestling BJJ. Not not necessarily full catch, because back in the day, like you didn't do catch at all. It's hard to find catch. And our old by trying to bring catch wrestling back is because it's hard to find, especially real catch wrestling. Not a little Brazilian jitsu with the some bad double legs or uh, judo with a couple of leg locks in it. Talking about real old school British catch wrestling. So with me, I got after doing all that stuff, I got into doing judo here in Los Angeles because I always have friends who like want to be really good at judo, want to be really good at judo. And I'm like doing old school thinking. It's like, well, judo's just stand up. Like I like doing some ground stuff too. And I went to a martial art demonstration here in LA in the little Tokyo and I had a judo sensei there. And he said this one thing. He's like, if you get judo, if you taught judo, right person judo is like 60 40 or like say it'd be um 70 30. yes the majority of stand-up are cool ass throws but we do have groundwork we have 
takedowns. We like when you go when you go to the takedowns, we have pins. Everybody knows the pins, of course. We have chokes. Not that many people know that we do chokes. We have arm bars. A lot of people think that we don't do arm bars. We do arm bars. The one thing that we don't do in judo is that we don't do leg locks at all. So that was something that I had to change when I started doing judo. And I became a big judo practitioner. I love judo. I think judo is great. And for me, the reason I got into doing catch wrestling is because I wanted to do something different. You know, I've been doing judo for close to 13 years already straight. That's been my main grappling style. And I didn't want to go into BJJ and some can't find out here that much. I want to do something different, something different but similar. So that's why I found catch wrestling with Raul. Looked it up, talked to him and stuff, started practicing with him. And from there, I started doing more no-gi judo. And what I mean by that, I started doing judo throws, but with a no-gi style of doing it, like how we talked about in our in the video that we made together, like how to do it head and arm position, uh, collar and elbow tie-up, an arm behind the back, an under overhook, and how people don't think about that when they talk about judo. They think of it's just a gi. And my thing is like, well, if you can think of no-gi BJJ, why can't you think of no-gi judo? Like, it's not that hard to grab a body. In real life, that's what you're going to have. Especially us living in Los Angeles, we don't live in a place that has <laughs> that has big coats all the time. You have to grab the body if you're going to get into a situation, if something happens. And you should know how to grab an underhook, an overhook, or get a head and arm lock, or um, grab a head and arm, or get wrist control and try to throw somebody. And that's what I wanted to focus more on, because my wrestling background, going from judo and mixing it together, it just seems like so easy. But so many people just stand up. I've talked to other judo players. And I talked to him like, well, what about no gi judo? Like, no such thing. There's no such thing. You, you can't do judo without a gi. It's like, yes, you can. You can if you have an open mind about it. But I think that's also how one of the one of the bad things about judo is that people focus too much on the sport aspect of it. And yes, judo is mostly a sport. It's a martial art, but it's mostly a sport. Just like how taekwondo is a martial art, but it's mostly a sport now. And people just focus on the winning aspect. So in judo, if I can throw a guy and get what we call in judo a full equal, and that means I throw him hard on the mat, he hits his back, I get some air, that's equal right there, match is done. Why am I gonna focus on anything else? Why am I gonna focus on pinning them, going in the rear naked chokes, going get their arm bars or kimuras and stuff like that? Why am I gonna focus on that if I can just throw the guy? And you get so many coaches that just focus on that that I feel they leave out the other good stuff, the work, work and I, uh, groundwork. And the worst thing that I think that happened to judo, and you can, take it or leave it, some people think it's bad, some people think it's good, is that um, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, was going to actually take judo out of the Olympics. And when they did that, they took out, they said, well, you guys are going to look too much like wrestling. You guys are, and I hate, I hate the saying, I hate the saying so much, you guys look like you're just wrestling in your pajamas. I really, if you're going to get me that, I say, hey, you guys are just wrestling in your pajamas. No, we're not wrestling our pajamas. We're using techniques and different things using the gi. But, because of certain players not being good at doing um, big throws, they focus on what we call like morotogari. Okay, morotogari is it's just double leg. It's just a double leg. A judo double leg kind of looks different than a wrestling double leg, which you do in catch, but it's basically just a double leg. And because so many players are trying to do that um, and look too similar to wrestling, the international they're like the Olympics are like, no, you, know, you guys look too similar. You know, we might take you out. You know, we have enough wrestling already. We already have Greco and freestyle. You know, Judo's starting to look like wrestling also. It's like, so after negotiations, they took out leg, they took out any leg techniques. So any throws that have to grab the leg, they took out. And they took it out gradually. At first it was, you can't grab the legs directly. You can grab the legs if it's a counter. 
okay, well, if you do move first, then you grab the legs. And then they decide, you want to know what? Forget it. Just take it all out. And because of that, judo's also lost techniques because some senseis don't want to teach that anymore now. And that's where, to me, it's like, you're going to lose these techniques. So if I teach no-gi judo, I can teach leg grab techniques, no problem. I can teach how to get a double, uh, a double leg on somebody. And no one's going to complain about it because it's no-gi judo. It's like, no one does this. I don't know why no one does it. No, I, no one thinks about it. Like, I know Carl Parisian back in the day, a former UFC fighter, he has some videos out, like way, way old videos, and an old book. I remember it's like, it was like Fire Parisian or Parisian on Fire, like that flaming. I can't remember what the name of the book was. But he used to do it. But other than him, no one else talks about it. And my thing is, when I went into doing catch wrestling, I saw how easy it was for me to adapt my judo throws into, be, into catch wrestling. And how I throw other catch wrestlers using my technique, how I throw other BGJ guys or Samo guys, I would come in and do this because they're not used to it. And that's why I want to teach more no-gi and want people to learn more no-gi because it's from a situation, it's from a place where people don't expect it. Most of the time, people expect double legs, single legs, ankle picks on you, maybe a suplex every now and then. But they don't expect what we call like judo and equal samagi, shoulder throw or good shoulder throw or harai goshi, or hanagoshi, or uchita. And the few people that do do it, that you see try to attempt it in MMA, or in catch wrestling, or other nogi situations, they, I, I hate saying this, but they don't have good technique. And it's not because they're not trying, it's because they don't know how to do it right. And I think it's because they are sometimes taught to write how to do it. They're not taught how to do the technique, they're taught the proper way of how to do the technique. Like in one of our videos that we talked, that I was demonstrating, says harai goshi. You would see almost every MMA, not everyone's MMA fight, but every like UFC event, you'll see one guy try to do a Harayagoshi. And they'll all go for it at the right at the right spot. They'll get the uh, under over or a wrist lock or a, grabbing a bicep, try to go Harayagoshi. And sweep the leg. You're supposed to pick up with your hip and finish sweeping the leg. And but all these guys don't understand that. So they barely step in and they just try to sweep the leg out right at the knee. And if you don't pull the person off balance with, with Kazushi, you're going to end up slipping off the knee and go up into their hip. And it's, your leg can go straight. It's called, the, like, it's called Hizuguruma. There's a different name for it, but pretty much Hizuguruma at that point. And then it doesn't work. It's like, oh, see, Judo doesn't work. He attempted that throw, and it didn't work. He messed up. And so, like, no, he did everything fundamentally right. It's just he doesn't know the details and how to actually throw the person. He didn't know that you're supposed to lift him up your hips slightly to pick them up. He doesn't know you're supposed to come down towards the ankle and then come up and lock onto the knee. He doesn't, they don't know that. They don't do enough. They practice BJJ and wrestling and they kind of learn these techniques a little bit, but they don't know how to do them properly. So like, that's what, that's why I wanted to put these things out there to show people that there are ways to do judo in a nogi situation, how you can throw people. You don't have to do a head and arm. There are other ways. Like in our videos, we show four different ways. And in all of them, I always teach, like the first three, I taught from a head position, from getting the head and grabbing behind the arm, I grab behind, grab behind all the way like you're grabbing underneath the, underneath the armpit, grabbing the wing pretty much. But all those techniques I showed in those videos, you can do from an underhook position too. And that's my favorite throw people, is from an underhook. Yeah, I might as well mention that because you're, you're mentioning it. And uh, uh, so 
so just to let people know, so this past week we released a Nogi Judo video course on our website, so catchwrestlingalliance.com. Um, and you can you can find it in our uh, like if it'll be in the, one of the top tabs that it says CWA Academy. Just click there. You'll see all our offerings there, and you'll see um, you'll see Juan throwing me, and it'll, <laughs> it'll be labeled No Judo. So uh, this is what we're kind of talking about. So that the it's kind of like a introduction to, and it has like basically four of the main Judo throws and four variations, right? Pretty much of each throw. Um, so Juan kind of not only takes you through that, um, he also talks about like following up and like better ways to um, implement that follow through besides like how you're talking about earlier, right? Where it's like nowadays, uh, a lot of judo is geared towards Olympic competition. So you want to get that ipon, but a lot of times going for that, that finisher move uh, isn't the best thing to do in a, like an MMA situation or even a catch wrestling situation or even a no-gi uh, jiu-jitsu situation. So we're trying to show you something that's like a little bit more practical in, in yeah. this video. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things where we talk about the finishing right there is how Another way, if you see a guy in an MMA fight or a BGJ or catch wrestling stuff, you'll see them get the throw and they'll roll right off, right off top, right off the person. They'll roll right over them and be like, "Well, I saw that. I was watching an Olympic video or an international competition video, and I see all these guys roll off them. See, like you don't have um, control. You have to have control when you throw a person. And when I throw Raul in the videos, you see I throw him, I land, like I'm not, I'm being nice, I'm not landing on top of him and stuff, but I'm landing with control so I have the top position. I don't want to throw the person and then roll over them. The reason we do that in competition is because I want that full equal. And with a, one of the best ways to get the full equal and to make sure I have it is to roll on top of the person to make sure their shoulders touch the mat. And it makes sense in competition. And it's weird because you'll start off like that when you're a white belt. And then you become a brown belt and you learn like to get better technique, better control. So you don't do that that much. But then when you become a more high level competition, brown belt and black belt, you go back to rolling on top of people. <laughs> so, but you're supposed to have the control and know how to stop. Throw a person on the ground and I put my knee on belly or I just flatten out right on top of them, chest on chest. I never, when I do catch with you or anywhere else, when I do some of my throws. I never throw somebody and then roll over them unless it's at judo i'm being nice unless it's at judo or i'm just being super nice to a person and just roll over them not on top of them i mean like i'm a, like i circle over them so i don't land on top of them <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah but there's uh, like even in um, in mma you know, i think one of the most famous examples of uh someone applying uh judo uh besides caro prezian then we have ronda rousey right who's able to mm -hmm. throw, throw someone and then follow through into a submission hold Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the um, thing with Ronda Rousey and Kelly Harrison. You see them when they throw people. They don't throw and then roll off the person. Those are two high-level Olympic athletes. Ronda Rousey, bronze medal in the Olympics. Kayla Harrison, two gold, you know, in the Olympics. And they show you, like, they throw and they land on the person. They throw with control, okay? And you see some of these other people that, like, I don't want to – I hate saying this all the time. People say I pick on BJ because of this. It's like – BJJ doesn't have a whole lot of throws or takedowns and they take a lot of their stuff because there are, they come from judo, you know, they are like the sibling of judo and stuff, but they take their throws and stuff from wrestling or judo or sambo, but they don't know how to do the stuff correctly. Like they take a course and they learn a little bit of throws. They get this, they get that and they go back. And because they don't actually know the technique, 
they teach it poorly and they go on to teach it poorly and then they continue doing it poorly. And then you get guys that watch a video and then they go throw someone in a fight in a Sambo match, in a Sambo match with Sambo or no gi or MMA again. And they fall off. They fall over. They, they set the throw so hard and they get it. And they just roll, roll over the person and they lose a the position. So what was the point? What was the point of getting that throw? Because I fought MMA and those mats, they're softer than judo mats, you know? I threw people as hard as I could in my MMA fights and I'll throw them and I'll be like, God damn it, I'm not getting a damage because these mats are so soft. The ones that I fought at least, they're so squishy. I'm like, you know, this isn't fair because it's taking my stuff away from me. <laughs> the whole thing of judo is like, I don't hit you. I use the world to hit you. I use earth to hit you. <laughs> Yeah, and so so going back to our courses, like that, the, these are the types of uh, principles that are in the, the video course that we have, which you know I also have the link down in the description. Uh, but it's just you know you just go to catwrestlingalliance.com, totally easily find it. Um, but yeah, it's good. Actually, I want to kind of ask like one thing on the on a side note because you mentioned that right. your school. I don't, you might not know anything about this, but I'm kind of curious. I'm, I'm big into um, LA history. Mm -hmm. And um, so since your school, you said it started around, the, it opened around the 1930s, right? Yeah, hold on. I can actually look it up right now, like try to find right now. But the reason my school got open is that originally there was a judo school so called um, Sawtell Judo. The original, the head sensei at the time was uh, Kaguchi Sensei. And mm -hmm. uh, Kaguchi, I think that was his name. Kaguchi Sensei, and he wanted to show, wanted to create a judo club. So what his first judo club was the Sawtell Judo Club over in Sawtell area. So they're technically older than us and they're our sister school. I don't know how much older they are than us, like five, maybe 10 years, I'm not sure. But they're older than us. And their thing, well, his thing was that, see, damn, I cannot find it on here. Oh man, look it up for this other one. All right. Well, no, no problem. Because my, my question was, uh, since it, so we, we know that these schools are old, right? And I think I've actually seen. Ah, uh, there it is. Not it is 1932. Yeah. So Hollywood founded in 1932, and it was founded by Kaguchi Sensei, and it was just to teach judo to the Japanese community. That's all it is. Just you know, judo and martial martial arts is a big thing by Japanese here, mm -hmm. and he wanted to spread judo. And the area that we have it here in Los Angeles, we're over. We're not that far from LACC. And some people won't know this, but that area used to be a very big Japanese community. That's why that Japanese center that I train out of, Hollywood uh, Japanese Cultural Institute, is there. Some people will be like, why is there a Japanese Cultural Institute here? Like, there's no Japanese people. And it's like back in the 1930s and stuff, up until like the war, there was tons of Japanese people there. All those houses were owned by Japanese people. Before the 101 was right there, that was all Japanese houses pretty much. But then they took that land because they're gonna make the 101. But the community center stayed, and that's why we're there. That's exactly what I'm. I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> the war because that's, that's that's what I want to talk about. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, we had thriving Japanese communities in LA, and then we had World War II, and yeah. then uh, for those of you who don't know, then our government in turn <laughs> basically put all these Japanese people out of their homes and we put them yes. far far away and then uh, into concentration camps basically or internment camps we call them right so yeah. do, do you know kind of like what happened to your school during that time do you know anything about that part of the history you... i actually do know a lot about that history because 
So the Japanese community center I'm part of now, Hollywood Japanese Culture Institute and the Japanese Dojo were actually two different properties at the time. And uh, they were not that far away from each other, maybe a few blocks away. And they were scared that the way the government was just seizing land from people and taking their property and taking their stuff when they would put them in the internment camps. Somehow they did a, they got a lawyer and they did some legal document stuff that they were together that for some reason they couldn't take the community center and to, to make sure they couldn't take the dojo, they combined each other, they became one. And during the war, when everyone got taken away, they left the dojo and they left the community center. The community center is still in the same property. So if you ever come visit us, that that center has been there. It's one of the oldest community centers in Los Angeles besides Sautel's. I know a lot of people think, well, what about Little Tokyo? It's like Little Tokyo was there and actually has a little sad history too there, but the actual oldest places is Sawtell and the Hollywood Japanese Culture Institute. So during the war, they took people in and um, some people might know this, some people might not. It's actually makes me, it's a funny thing because actually my last, my sensei, the, the one of the last, last head sensei, one of the head sensei of Hollywood Judo is Frank Emmy. Okay. And he's pretty famous in the LA area or civil rights movement for Asian Americans and Asians period because of what he did during World War II. During World War II, when he was in a concentration camp, they needed soldiers. The whole thing was that we need Japanese soldiers to send to Japan so they could stand with the help people were saying, understand the culture thing and use them as like spies or decoys, what the hell they're gonna use them for. And I know some people are like proud of their heritage in that, but Sensei Emmy, man that I respect, man that I love, I was at his funeral as Paul Bear, one of his last students, was says, no, I'm not doing this. You're not sending me to Japan after you put me and my family in this, in this, I keep wanna call it concentration camp, but we weren't killing people in this internment camp. He was like, no, I'm not doing that. And because he didn't wanna join, and because he got other people to not to join the military, not to join the army, telling him like, you guys don't sign the paperwork, don't do it. They took us from our land, they're taking our stuff from us not to, they put him in jail. So what does American people do? Like they can't control him. He was rising up, getting people to follow him. They put him in jail. And while he was in jail, guess what happened? He's a small Asian man and they put him in jail. So people start trying to pick it on him. The guards were mean to him. Other inmates were mean to him and the other Japanese because they're Japanese. Now I'm not saying that, the thing is, like, you didn't hear about this stuff happening to, to Germans in America. You only heard about it happening to Japanese. So they put these Japanese men in jail. They treated like shit. So what happens? A wrestler challenges Sensei Emmy. He beats them. A boxer challenges Sensei Emmy. He beats them. And the reason they challenged it because they gave him jackets one day and put on a demonstration. Like, here, you Japanese, show us your judo. Show us what you guys can do. And they demonstrated. And after they demonstrated, they got challenged by a wrestler, got challenged by a boxer. Since the Emmy beat up both of them. And when he did that, he <laughs> said in the stories, like, after that, they treated us very well. So he did his time in there. After it was done, he got left out. He got he got let go. And there's also a thing where Richard Nixon, actually, I think it was Nixon, apologized to him. Actually gave him, like, the went to the White House and stuff, and he gave him, like, a formal apology and stuff for putting them in the internment camps and taking their land. And if you want to see a very bad summary of this, because I know my summary's not 
great. But if you want to see a very bad summary, actually, Drunken History made an episode of Sensei Emmy that one of my students told me about. And I thought it was very interesting when they made this video because the guy they got to play Sensei Emmy was this um, bald, not bald, but he looked nothing like Sensei Emmy. He was an overweight Asian male, looked nothing like Sensei Emmy, didn't, didn't look nothing like his judo because Sensei Emmy was a big judo player, always in great shape. If they had a national championship at that time, Sensei Emmy would have been a national champion. All right, he was, he was, a great, he was amazing. And uh, the guy they got to do the narration is this Korean actor. I can't remember his name. He's the father in Fresh Off the Boat. So mm -hmm. they had the Korean actor do it. And I was like, when I saw it, I was like, yeah, it's kind of interesting. They couldn't got a Japanese actor to do it. Like there's all these great Japanese actors out there. They couldn't have him. But hey, at least they had a story. They had two Asian actors. But the guy they had to play since Emmy, since Emmy was never fat. So I don't know why they got this fat guy to play Sensei Emmy. And they didn't talk mean about his judo at all during the video. And I was like, it's like, they left out the best part. When he went to jail and he fought these boxers and wrestlers, he left out this part right there. All they talked about was him not wanting to sign the paper and him being kind of a freedom fighter that way, you know? Civil rights, like we have yeah, rights. Yeah, they totally could have made it like that Kung Fu movie with, with Jet Li or Fearless <laughs> where it's a similar Chinese uh, situation where it's like a, a practitioner has to beat up all these all, all these people throughout his whole life, right? Yeah, it's gonna like get man, it'd be like get man part one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, but it's, it's, in a way, it's kind of cool that they did something. I guess like his legacy is that huge that it they had to, you know, they 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 did an episode about it on that. Yeah, um, drunken history. It was, it was cool that he's famous enough that people knew about him enough that they talked about him in there. But if you go through a lot of LA books of um. Southern California, Los Angeles, civil rights movement, history of LA, Frank Emmy will come up. Since say Frank Emmy will come up. And he's, I was one of his last students, Paul Barrera's funeral, like I said. He's the one that actually taught me he's a groom, actually. He would always say that me and my friend, when we both started judo, since we were both taller guys, like, oh, you guys be good at, he's a groom. And that's the thing that's crazy. He's a 90 year old man still on the judo mat, 90 years old, still teaching technique. Drive to judo, put on his gi, put on his belt, and get on the mat. That's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, that goes into something that I've been talking about often on, the, on our live streams. It's where it's like um, a lot of times it's like, don't worry about your age. Uh, mm -hmm. Because like even Frank Gotch, you know, one of the most famous catch wrestlers, in his book, he wrote that um, he felt that a wrestler wasn't mature enough until age 40 even. So, oh. uh, <laughs> so, so don't don't stop. Or, or like if, you, if say if you're over 40 right now and you're, you haven't trained but you're interested like hey try it out but but you know just be careful <laughs> you know you want to always be careful start. you're you're yeah. never too old to get back into training if you want to do catch wrestling or get into judo there are always levels and don't feel like you have to push yourself too much just because you see other people doing crazy ass shit doesn't mean you gotta do crazy ass shit all right work to where you're comfortable at and at most dojos and most gyms will understand that mm -hmm. yeah. that's how i feel at least <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Especially most of the like most of the good quality uh, like training centers, dojos, or whatever you want to call it, um, like the good quality ones, they're not gonna hurt you, right? Or it'd be mm -hmm. a fluke where if they're not careful. Um, but yeah, yeah, and but I think you can kind of tell like like if you walk in and they give you a, a weird vibe and you feel like everything everyone's <laughs> going all aggro, then uh, you, uh. you can you can just leave. You're free to leave. <laughs> yeah, right? uh, I know I'm people get that from our. 
I know some people get that from my JoJo sometimes because we're pretty much, even though we're open to everybody, we are pretty much like a competition dojo. So a lot of our stuff is focused towards competition and a lot of randori, which is sparring and stuff. Like we spar at least 30 to 40 minutes each class. We do sparring. So I understand that can be intimidating to some people, but you don't have to go hard. And most people, if you tell me you want to go light, we'll go light with you. And if, like I know at my gym, you want to say like, hey, I don't really don't feel comfortable doing this. We'll figure something out for you. We'll get someone else and they would go in the corner and work with you on something. Or you can do what this thing is called rubber band work. You know, you work by yourself with the rubber bands. And I know at my gym, we have a full weight set and aerobic sets also. So, you know, if you want to do that instead, you can. But you don't push yourself. You know? Don't hurt yourself. Don't feel like, oh, I have to do this. Everyone else is doing it. I have to do it. No, no, you don't. You don't have to. Uh, you want to. I got some older members. <laughs> I got some older members that are like, oh, I can't walk do it then <laughs> i'm hurt and, and it's okay sit down yeah, yeah and then sooner than later you probably will you know work up to being able to do these things um so yeah, yeah i definitely recommend people to be training um also one we have a question from someone they blaya what do you think about wrestling versus judo for mma um this is what I tell some of my students that are wrestlers and judo guys. Uh, wrestling is all about power and strength, and it's easier to learn, I think. Wrestling, if you're just doing like freestyle or folk style wrestling, learning a double, single, high C, uh, ankle pick, because those are the main ones right there. People are like, oh, what about this, this, this? Those are like the main throws you're going to learn, it, the main takeouts you're going to learn in wrestling. Are much easier to learn and easier to catch and easier just to get grasp of them, to understand them. They learn how to do Harayagoshi, Iponsonagi, Ogoshi, Uchimata and stuff, and all the other 90 throws that we have. But the thing is that with wrestling, it's easier to get and you do it faster, but you have to do strength, where judo, it's more about technique. It's about, in judo, it's about working smarter, not harder. I know some people might get mad when I say that, but it really is. And I know judo might be hard for you to learn at first, but that's why it takes you time. Judo is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We're wrestling. You can sprint your way across it. Like think, think about it. I started wrestling when I was in fifth grade. Okay. When I was in high school, I was on varsity my freshman year and going to what in the Bay Area we call CCS. Some of the call CF. It's a tournament before you go to state. I was calling for those tournaments at my freshman year, uh, sophomore and freshman year and stuff and uh, junior because I started wrestling at such a young age. But most people start wrestling their freshman year of high school. And if you start wrestling your freshman year of high school and are dedicated, you'd be going to state by your senior year. That's four years right there. You can do all that. Where in judo, you won't get your brown belt until you're in your third, maybe fourth year of doing judo. Sometimes if you're good, maybe you're second or second, maybe year and a half. And you'll get your black belt until at least five, six years. It is a, it is a marathon. It takes time to learn these techniques. And that's why there are techniques that are difficult to learn at first, but as you get more acquainted with them and practice them more, you learn the tricks, you learn the, with some of that call certain techniques, judo illusions, where it looks one way, but actually what you're doing is something totally different. And I've talked to Raul about that, how like, okay, Ipon Seonagi, shoulder throw. I had a wrestling friend of mine ask me, so on, so now you do judo, so what's that shoulder throw in judo? Was it like the one we did in wrestling? I said, it's not the same, because in wrestling, we don't have to worry about being choked out by nobody. So when we get that shoulder throw on somebody and we're pulling them in and their arms, and we're pulling an arm across our neck, in wrestling, I gotta worry about them trying to rear naked choke me. Where in judo, I'm pulling the arm into right here in my armpit area, 
right here. And I control the arm. I put this little vise on there that holds it nice and tight. And that's hard for people to understand at first. When people are white belts, they just want to come and put it right in the shoulder and try to throw someone. And it takes time to learn that. Where if I just teach you a shoulder throw from wrestling, it's like, yeah, just put it right here in the shoulder and throw the person over. It's much easier to grasp than it is to actually get right here, right here, pull them up, get them on your shoulder right here over. And I'm not throwing them forward over me. I'm actually throwing like golf swing to the side of me. So they land across. Easier going to the pin. We're wrestling, I'm just throwing right here on my shoulder and boom, putting them to the mat, getting them there. And if they're in side control for me, great. If they land on their head, that's their fault. <laughs> I hope that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, th I think so. I think, uh, let's see, uh, they followed up, but in wrestling directly to the shoulder, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and that, that's the other thing we kind of want to, I would like to uh, tack on there. It's like, yeah, you, you're talking about the amateur wrestling, so like the folk style. Uh, and so, yeah, that that like has changed over the decades, you know, since it uh, branched off from catch wrestling where, yeah, now since they don't have the the submission holds, then yeah, they, they really don't have to worry about all these things. Where Whereas like in catch wrestling, you'd still have to be cognizant of of these submission counters. So mm -hmm. yeah, you, you know, that, that, that's kind of what you're talking about too, where it's like even in judo, they're still cognizant of these counter submission holds. So yeah, you'll yeah. do things um, accordingly, right? Which, which yeah. in turn makes it a little bit more applicable for MMA um, than perhaps like just your average uh, freestyle and folk style wrestler. Well, it's like how if you shoot a double leg, okay? A proper double leg, nobody should get a guillotine on you if you're doing a proper double leg. If I'm shooting in on a double leg and my head's on their hip and I'm picking them up with, with up with my knees and my hips right here, popping them up. I know, look, we're popping up right here. I'm popping up right here and trying to turn them over. There should be no space between my neck and their body. There should be no space for them to try to get in a guillotine. If they shoot in on, if they shoot on me and I sprawl out and I get my underhooks, yeah, there's that's going to happen. But there's being no space to get a guillotine. And that's where it gets me where some people learn even bad wrestling when they go to an MMA school that doesn't have a real wrestling coach. Someone that doesn't know how to wrestle at all. It, when you do a double leg and you shoot on a guy, your hip's supposed to, your head's supposed to be tight to the hip. And I see a lot of when they shoot MMA, and I've actually had someone at my school, I had this MMA guy, not MMA, he was, um, I, I don't want to say what gym he came from, I'm going to say, he came from the UFC gym. And I don't know what he took there, what MMA or judo or jujitsu or BJJ, whatever he took there. And he was playing around with a guy and he kept doing this, shooting this double leg. And he was shooting his head like right between the guy's legs. And the other guy just kept on sprawling out on him and doing all these things. And I was like, stop, 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 stop. Let me help you out. Why are you doing that? Oh, well, that's what I saw in this video or YouTube. I can't remember what the hell he saw it in. And I was like, no, let me show you how to do a double leg. Your head is supposed to be on one side or the other side of his hip. You choose one side or the other. You never go in the middle. You ain't going to take nobody down if you're shooting a double leg in the middle. And I think you see that a lot in MMA where you get these guys that aren't real wrestlers but take submission grappling somewhere or bad BGJ somewhere, and they do these bad takedowns that they don't know what they're actually doing. And you see that. And you see it in MMA, and the guy's just like sprawled down. I'm like, just go to your belly at that point. Like you're not gonna get a double leg from that position. You're not even gonna get a single leg. Just go onto your belly and try to sit out. 
Yeah, so they're just like uh, doing some kind of leg dive, right? Where they're just hoping yeah. for the best. <laughs> yeah, these double A tackles they call them in Japan, where they just shoot a double A tackle and think they're going to take a person down. And it's like, that's not going to work. That's not real. Like, you shoot proper double leg. Head on the side, pivot with your body, push them over to the side. And it's, that's one thing that you and me talked about before is that in real life, there's not a cage. In a wrestling match, if you wrestled in high school, college, middle school, whatever, amateurs, if you wrestled, you're in that giant circle. There is no cage for you to get to. There's no cage to go stop the person mm -hmm. and do this thing where they call, say all, all the time, like, oh, he got to get his hand underneath the butt to pick him up. I'm like, that's an M. In real life, that's not going to happen. I would say in real life, you're going to double-leg somebody. I'd rather throw somebody in real life than on the concrete. <laughs> but if you're in a wrestling ring, you're not a wrestling mat. You're not taught you're not taught this thing where you just shoot till you get to the and get your hips underneath their butt, scoop them up, and take them down. That's totally MMA thing. Yeah, because you have to have them up against the wall, right? Yeah, for that technique to work. Yeah. All right, so they Black commented again. He's like, I'm 16 and I'm doing uh, combat sports. Uh, I have been doing combat sports since age seven. What do you suggest, judo or wrestling for me? So let me let me go ahead and uh, chime in real quick. Bro. Go ahead, <laughs> do catch wrestling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of where it's like, it, but uh, like if you can do the catch wrestling, I know it's it's still you know very rare to find authentic catch wrestling. Uh, but yeah, the catch wrestling will teach you some like the wrestling fundamentals. But but while you're still aware of submissions. Uh, you know, whereas like the amateur wrestling styles, like freestyle and folk style, they're going to teach you a lot of great wrestling fundamentals. But again, it's it would be like that you're it's a style, a great wrestling style that's not aware of the submission holds. So like you'll see all these really, especially nowadays, a lot of guys in um, in Division One uh, wrestling. Uh, there's like that this one guy. Um, Yanni, right? He's giving his legs to people and letting them uh, do all kinds of stuff because they can't knee bar him or they can't mm -hmm. heel hook him, right? Yeah. So you're seeing, you're seeing more of that because Yanni, uh, it became really popular and you know really flexible and whatnot. Um, but that's not going to fly in a in a, <laughs> in a no, even no gi jiu jitsu situation. We've had what was it recently? Uh, I can't remember who some big time. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu practitioner was claiming that leg locks don't work on him, and then what was it like? Uh, <laughs> Craig, Jones, Craig Jones ended up breaking his one of his leg bones. Um, uh -huh. So uh, you got to be cognizant of the uh, potential submissions, right? So, I, I, so that's where I do feel like uh, amateur wrestling, freestyle, folk style, uh, can kind of steer you down the wrong path. Or even, or even one thing that we've been talking about on, on our channel. Uh, for the past few weeks, because like I think what three weeks ago or, or about a month ago, Shinya Aoki, the judo practitioner from Japan, who's been fighting M MMA for the longest time, he submitted uh, a Japanese American uh, who was like a, a Division One wrestler in Nebraska. Um, he also practiced uh, jujitsu, but he was a you know Division One wrestler, and he he actually had a stellar MMA record. But Shinya was able to jump on his back and uh, do a face lock finish on him mm -hmm. uh, in an MMA fight. So, um, yeah, like do I would say like do the judo, do the catch wrestling, you can find it. But what are your thoughts on? Um, I love all grappling. I know some people might think that I hate on certain types of grappling, but I love all grappling. You know, 
Um, to me, if you're in high school right now, since he said he was 16 right now, Dean, how old did he say? Yeah, yeah, 16. You're 16. If you're at 16, you do high and you do wrestling for future high school. Do it now because it's only going to add to your stuff. And if you want to go into combat sports and become like a submission grappler later in life or become a MMA fighter, it's just going to help you. The thing with wrestling that I'm sad about wrestling, especially when it comes to like freestyle and folk style, when you graduate college, there's really not a lot of places you can do wrestling anymore. Like MMA gyms are starting to get more of it. So you can continue your wrestling career. But like at least in judo, it's a lifelong thing. You start judo. I can compete uh, like I'm in my 60s if I wanted to. Like, like, there's these two old guys I see at the national championships every, every year that fight each other. And these guys have to be in their 70s or 80s. And they're still getting the mat. And they fight each other every year and do it. So I love judo. Judo's my new love. Like I grew up wrestling. Judo's my wrest judo is my love. Wrestling's become like my current love and stuff. But I say just do both of them. You're not going to hurt you as long as you fight to the rules. Remember that. You know, if something that happens where you're like, oh, you want to do this? It's like, oh, shit. No, no, I'm not wrestling, man. I can't do that. Oh, or I'm at the judo club. I'm like, oh, I can't grab his leg. My bad, my bad, my bad. But I would say do both of them. Why not? Why can't you? There's a, a girl that trains at my judo club. Uh, she's ranked number one in the country in wrestling. I mean, she's ranked number one in the country in judo in her division. She's also a wrestler. She's also a state champion um, last year. So she does both of them. I'm saying, why not? When I was younger, I used to train karate and do all the time. I'd be on the wrestling mat Monday through Friday at the do at school, and then I go to karate three days a week. And there's nothing wrong with cross training. There's nothing wrong with doing everything as long as you're as long as you can afford it and you're young enough to do it. Do it. Just as long as you remember the rules, <laughs> don't get them mixed up. <laughs> and your judo will seriously will help out your wrestling because people will like in wrestling we teach a head and arm throw. If you did a head and arm throw, like the head and arm technique area where, so if I get a head and arm, I'm grabbing the bicep over the head. I'm grabbing around, I'm grabbing my own hand with the bicep. That's a wrestling head and arm throw pretty much. But if I did that with a Koshima grip, so I'm grabbing a back, so I'm grabbing like what I teach in the videos, or I'm, grabbing, or I'm grabbing the armpit or the wing pretty much. And I mix that with Hayagoshi's leg, people go over all the time. And you're already then in what they call side control and rest, and you pin the person. Remember, in wrestling, it's a one-second pin. You're in high school, it's a one-second pin. You just get the shoulders on a mat, boom, like that. That's all you need. It's not in, it's not like in judo where it's a 20-second controlled pin. It's for a half point, it's 15-second, no, 10-second controlled pin. For a full point, full point, 20-second controlled pin. So, do both. Nice. I think that's a good, a good answer. Actually, you, you made me think of... Uh, this one highlight that was circulating, I think it was maybe two um, sumo tournaments ago. So sumo, professional sumo, they have, I think, like four tournaments a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so after each one, you, you might see uh, in, on like the wrestling chat rooms, you know, some of the highlight takedowns circulating. Um, mm -hmm. But so I think I think one in particular. Oh, no, I, actually, I think it was folk style wrestling someone got a takedown that was like something you would see in almost every sumo competition. Mm -hmm. right? And um, because sumo really focuses on like stand up takedowns, right? And so, yeah. um, but when you see it done in like amateur, like folk style or freestyle, I saw it circulating all over all the wrestling 
chat rooms where they're like, oh my God, what is this magic? And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey guys, you know, there's other techniques besides like a double leg and you know, ankle yeah. breaker or headlock throw or something like that. Um, yeah, the, these other things work. It's just like, yeah, like you'll see some styles where they'll kind of change according to some rule changes or whatever. And so then uh, some, some teachers, even if they know these variations, they won't even teach it because like they'll kind of teach kind of like this run of the mill uh, version of like wrestling. Yeah. Or you're talking about judo too, where it's kind of changed uh, for the Olympic rules, right? So oh yeah, a lot can be lost. Well, that's one thing that I try to do when I teach my own class. I teach different variations of the same throw. I'll go through like I'll be like, okay, we're gonna do this throw into this technique right here or this combination, and these are all the different ways it can look. Like you don't have to just have uh, lapel and sleeve grip the entire time. You have an ogre grip. You can have an underhook grip right here. I don't need to just come from this direction. I can move them to the side. I try to teach that there's very different variation and you're going to find which one works best for you. I don't limit you like, okay, you're my student. You have to do it my way, my style, the only way I know how to do it. No, there are different variations and one of them is going to work for you best. And that's up to you to find out which one does. Yeah, but it's funny what you talk about sumo. There's so many sumo techniques that you watch it and they're both Japanese arts, they're both Japanese styles, and the throws will look almost exactly the same, but they'll have totally different names for them. They're like, oh man, I, I pretty much almost did Uchimata to the guy, but they call it something different because he did it with an underhook instead of like with using the gi. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that, that, that actually, I never thought about that, but that's true. So for if you guys, do, if you don't know, I'm, I'm actually a big sumo fan, so I, I watch almost all the tournaments that come on and, uh, uh, I never thought about that because I never I don't speak Japanese and but I do hear a lot of like a lot of the viewers of this channel a lot mm -hmm. of them are either judo practitioners or you guys are commenting using all these judo terms. But you're speaking uh, Japanese, you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, no, but then now that you now that you bring it up, like in sumo, yeah, they're they're using completely different sounding terms because they and they have to label it right. Japanese have to label everything right so mm -hmm. uh, after each sumo match ends the way it ends is labeled and that's announced and mm -hmm. so yeah it's, it definitely is not anything i'm used to hearing from all, all you judo fans or all you <laughs> judo practitioners it sounds completely like a different word and so it's uh, funny because if you do judo here's one of the good things about judo also the because judo is all taught in japanese for the most part okay if I do judo in America and they say, okay, everybody, line up with Chikomis, we're going to do Ippon Sonagi. I know what's going on. I know what we're going to do. I know what's happening. If I go to France, they're going to be something, something in France, parlez-vous, all la la Uchikomis, Ippon Sonagi. I know what's going on because they're using the judo words. I go to Russia, same thing. They're going to say it in Japanese. Now, if I go to like to Korea or um, China or something, they tend to use their own language to do stuff. But almost every country uses the same Japanese terms. So I can talk to any ju judo player and say something to him in judo terms, and he's going to know what I'm talking about or understand me. There was one time you did a technique to Emmanuel. I don't know if the pod, if you guys know Emmanuel and stuff. He does videos with Raul all the time. He's a little guy. You're demonstrating on him, and because you're demonstrating, him, he didn't know what was going on. He's just being tossed, being submitted, doing all these things. And I told him in Jap and I told him in judo terms what you were doing. And he's like, "Oh, okay, 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 I get it now." And I was like, "All right, so let's do it." <laughs> Mm -hmm. well, don't because I, I, I said it to him in Japanese terms I told him in judo terms and the person next to him was like 
you guys speak Japanese? It's like, no, we, well, I speak Japanese a little bit, but we speak judo. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing about wrestling too. It's like, uh, because even from the British and then uh, uh, like they didn't, they weren't like so such sticklers about uh, naming every little thing. So a lot of a lot of it's like, oh, this is what you do when someone gets gets you in a headlock, and uh -huh. they didn't really bother to name. But uh, so that, that's what happens in wrestling, where it's like uh, actually I even heard uh, one person call it kind of like the 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 Tower of Babel, where it's like it, <laughs> you go to different places and yeah, like the certain moves that you know will have a oh. completely different name. Look at Kimura, you know, like okay in judo. It's an udikatami, okay? Someone gets me right here. With, if I say in judo terms, that's udikatami, all right? But most people from the DBJJ know it as kimura, all right? If you go up wrestling, it's a key lock, okay? If I move my hand slightly, it's a hammer lock, all right? Or I've had some people call it a police hold before because that's what police put you in right there sometimes. <laughs> so it's just even in grappling, everyone has their own name for it. Or there's someone be like, hey, like uh, there's another time, again, Emmanuel, was like, hey Juan, do you know how to do a, a Russian, it's like a Russian arm drag or a thing called Russian arm drag or a Russian arm something, just a, no, then he showed it to me, I was like, just an arm drag? In America and wrestling, American wrestling, we call that's an arm drag. Why is it a Russian arm drag all of a sudden? That's a corn fed arm drag, right? <laughs> yeah, corn fed. It's like, like um, because uh, Fedor kept winning within a, I can't remember the proper Japanese name for it, but it's kind of like a Waki Jajime. It's uh, underneath, it's over the top uh, arm bar. They call it a Russian arm bar now. Just because he does that sit over the top arm bar, they call it a Russian arm bar now. All these places, oh, you, yeah, you have to work on a Russian arm bar, or you watch MMA. Winner by a Russian arm bar, I'm like, why is it called a Russian? Oh, because oh, Fedor did it, and he did a lot, so that's a Russian arm bar. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do you guys call armbar in in judo? It's just uh, udikatame. Okay, okay. Jujikatame. Uh, so it's first straight is jujikatame, back is udikatame, and if you're doing like the the head one right here, trying to straighten my arm, it's called a wakijajime or yeah, wakijajime something like that. And there's some other little slight names for if you have just some wrist stuff, but those are pretty much the three main names you call them. <laughs> But any chance the so so like because so if you guys don't know I, I speak Mandarin and I, I read uh, Chinese or whatever so uh, in Chinese the 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 terminology for armbar is a figure ten or ten character lock so ten is like a X uh -huh. right? so is, it, is that what it, is that what it is in judo do they have the same name because you know, <sighs> kind of like you know, when you do an armbar it's like, <laughs> like it looks like a cross like yeah. 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 Well, it's yeah. it's supposed to be like um, it's supposed to be like something like arm 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 hold. I can't remember what the exact translation is exactly, but it's like I do know that like it's just straight arm or arm hold for your uh, katame. But udekatame means broken arm lock because your arm is not straight anymore. Now it's broken, and the wakijajime. You know why it's called wakijajime personally, but I gotta have something to do with the head or something. I don't know something to try to figure out. <laughs> Hmm. One cool thing to have how like in catch wrestling we call uh, you know the how you guys are calling it or not you but how judo calls it kimura um, mm -hmm. we, you know and in catch wrestling we call it the double wrist lock I've yeah, seen double wrist lock. Yeah. yeah so I've seen in Chinese they actually use 
double wrist lock. So, um, in you know, in written characters and spe speaking, and like uh, when I'm on the Chinese Twitter, right? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll I'll write it out like that. Also, double mm -hmm. wrist lock, and it seems to like I haven't seen anybody really use Kimura, but also you know Chinese because they have like you know kind of a different system, uh, mm -hmm. uh, so that they won't necessarily be using all the the terminology that you'll hear in uh, like common jujitsu. Ju yeah, well, it's the BJJ is the more popular thing, like out of all, even though judo is an Olympic sport and stuff. BJJ is the most mm -hmm. popular thing, and when you watch MMA, the big thing most people watch, they use BJJ terms, and they'll mm -hmm. use yeah. the they use BJJ terms, and they'll mostly use uh, Joe Rogan's BJJ terms because he's the big one. Everybody talks about Joe Rogan all the time. They'll use yeah. his terms, and he uses Tenth Planet terms. So sometimes he'll mm -hmm. come out with weird things like the lockdown. I'm like a figure four leg lock on the legs right there. Why is it called lockdown? Mm -hmm. Yeah, whatever yeah. that's what they call it you know they'll call the mission control used to just be rubber guard you know i remember when i learned rubber guard in college when i was doing bgj back in the day i was just like all right guys this is rubber guard from here you can do this then joe rogan starts calling it mission control and suddenly everybody calls it mission control now you know? yeah so yeah, because yeah, of really, their, oh, you're going oh no, uh, i think you even mentioned it too but i remember an instance now that since uh daniel cormier is is uh since he has a wrestling background and he's doing more commentary on uh, UFC fights because <clears throat> there was one instance where uh, someone was going into what we call a guillotine in wrestling or sometimes people call it wrestler's guillotine but in 10th planet they call it twister so uh, Cormier was commenting commentating on on a match barbed wire pin I grew up with that club, barbed wire pin, you know <laughs> okay yeah, 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 yeah it's a tower of Babel kind of thing but then like when that when that match was occurring and it looked like one opponent was trying to go into that move, then he, Cormier's mm -hmm. like, oh, he's going he's to try for a guillotine. And then and then he, later he realized, oh, what I mean guillotine is not the same thing you guys understand. Or, there was like, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. like, what are you talking was, about? I was like, this is like there, a guillotine, a choke. There was a thing where one of the commentators, um, I can't remember which one it was. Didn't know the name of a th didn't know the name of a, an escape technique, and I guess maybe he knew it as like a barrel roll. Like, oh, he barrel rolled out of that. And I guess the other commentator, or like someone online or something, said, "No, that's a Gramby roll. You used to call it a Gramby roll. It's a wrestling move." And I was like, "Well, he knows it as this move. I'm sorry if that offended you, but he knows it as this. If you know it by that, you know." Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a, a lot of what people were calling Gramby's Barambolos and all that. Oh yeah, I don't even understand that one, but I guess whatever. Just because you roll into it, they call it a barambolo. Like I was like, all right, whatever you guys call it. But yeah. it's funny because you get that somebody that judo, someone will come to judo and ask for give me a BJJ name for it. I'll be like, I I, I don't I don't know that. I mean, <laughs> the first time years ago, and I didn't know what barambolo was. Someone came out and was like, hey, since he won, uh, so what'd you do from barambolo? It's like I don't know that person. Who's that? Is he a BJJ guy? <laughs> See, like, it's not like a name to me. I thought it was a, like a famous grappler, new BJ guy or something. And I was, then they showed me like, yeah. no, this is called Baron Bolo. I was like, oh, okay. I'll just step out of that. I wouldn't let him hold me. I'll step out. But if he has yeah. your pants like here, I'll still step out. <laughs> you have to have a really good grip on my pants to keep me there at that that weird position. But that's me. Yeah. And I remember we talked about that before, actually, at, at a catch one time. Someone asked you about that. A no-gi Baron Bolo. Like, even more. I think you and me both were like, just step out. I wouldn't let him keep me there. Yeah, but that's sometimes, us. Uh, that's us. Yeah. Sometimes I like when uh, like rolling with someone who's really good at that, like uh -huh. stuff. I'll even try to kind of 
dive in to see if I can't uh, like pass their guard and end up in uh, north south. Because uh, that's one of the things you can do. But if you can, if you so, I, I like to kind of time it. But hey, that's just a little side thing. Um, but uh, we're nearing on the the hour mark. So hopefully oh, yeah. everyone's been enjoying our conversation. Uh, <laughs> our ramblings right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think we talked a lot about stuff that at least interests me. I really, like, since you mentioned how old the school is, yeah. um, I, wanted, I was wondering about the whole tournament time because they're older than that. I, I have been to um, the Sautel School because um, it just happened to be a place uh, I have to go, I used to have to go to the building across the street from it. So I'd always park right in front of it. And mm-hmm. so I was wondering, like, so I'd see it, right? And it's, it's interesting yeah. to know how old it is. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, but I also want to kind of uh, remind everyone that, so Juan and I, uh, we just put out a Nogi uh, Judo instructional uh, course on our website. That's also something you just click on the, uh, the description below on our website catchwrestlingalliance.com. Um, but Juan, you also host your own podcast called Tatami Talk. Can you kind of tell us about it and how people can yeah, find so, it? <laughs> yeah, so me and a friend of mine, Anthony, uh, about a year ago or a little over a year ago, we were talking about podcasts that he's one brought it up to me because back then there was no judo podcast. There's like one or two judo podcasts out there. Now there's like a shitload after the coronavirus everyone's bored. But we have our podcast. It's called Tatami Talk. It's just two judo players talking about judo stuff. We talk about judo in uh, no-gi situations, gi situations. We talk about techniques. We talk about tournaments. We have interviews with other judo players. And it's not just judo players about, like, their career. We have, like, um, we talk about judo players about how it is after competing. You know, we talk about judo players about what's happening in America in judo. We talk about judo what's happening internationally. It's just two judo guys talking about judo. And if you want to hear about it two guys just talking about you please check out our podcast it's called Tatami talk we're on uh youtube we have a youtube channel we have an instagram page uh we're on all major podcast sites when you like to use and we come out with podcasts about every two weeks okay what about your personal instagram oh i don't personally hey if you really want instant following me <laughs> you can follow me at the gra underscore juan I put up at least one judo video a week about, since people can't work out with people, I put up either one rubber band technique, one technique you can do by yourself, or a technique you can do with a belt. And I show stuff with rubber bands, belts, walls, stuff you do on your own. And I put that up about, yeah, once a week I put up a video right there. I also put up stuff about my karate. I put up videos about uh, my work. And it's pretty just a fun page. I just put up things about martial arts for the most part. Cool. Please like, share, and subscribe. Yeah. yeah, well, thank you for uh, spending time with us. And, uh, you know, if anybody has any other, any other questions, feel free to comment down below. Um, also, if you're listening to the podcast, I believe you can message through. Oh, anyway, you can you can email us or whatever. Uh, any questions? Check out the videos. Oh, that's another thing right there. If you guys like the videos and I get enough people that I like, I actually like them, watch them, subscribe to them and stuff. I'll put up more videos for you. And the first ones we put up, I think, are kind of the most basic techniques that people try to do and sometimes fail at. And I try to explain it more judo way. And if it does well, then I'll put up more videos with Raul. We'll put up more of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all about you guys. You know, we're, um, you know, Juan and I are happy training by ourselves. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> we ain't got no one else to train with. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, we, 
I think all this stuff is valuable. So if you guys want to learn these other things, then uh, you know just just hit us up, and you know if, if there's the demand there, we'd be happy to you know put stuff out there for you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for uh, taking time out to chat, and then uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you sometime soon. All right. Peace out. Fun. <laughs>